Hi everyone, welcome back to the Two Half Squads. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dave. And we are the Two Half Squads. This is episode 5, I believe, right Dave? Yes it is. And today is May something or other. 19th, uh, 2008. And we're uh, broadcasting from our favorite foxhole uh, outside of Chicago. And uh, thanks for everybody for all the great comments that you've given us over the last couple weeks since we put out episode four. A lot of really great feedback. We really appreciate that. We are not, however, going to read through all of the great feedback this time. No, we're get, kind of getting over that stage. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Doesn't mean we don't love you. just means that we can't uh, send a shout out to each and every one. But, but we love the feedback. And if we don't reply to you personally, uh, cut us some slack, will you? That's right. And now I do have one I'd like to address here that Jim had put in. Um, he had said it seemed like we had talked about the ATR being used as a fire group. The one firepower on the ATR being added into a fire group. Oh yeah, in episode four. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. And then um, he wanted us to, and then we went into talking about Panzer Shreks and bazookas, and that they had firepower also, and those could be used against targets behind hard cover. But um, um, we didn't intend for it to sound like that same firepower could be added into a fire group, because of course it cannot. It cannot, right? Whereas the ATR can be added into a fire group and off the IFT table, any bazooka. Panzer Shrek, Panzer Faust, etc. Piat has to make a to hit roll first, and then of course um, would be its own individual firepower. You've got to work harder, Dave, to be clear. I know. <laughs> it's hard. I, you get talking, and we're just I, yeah, I know. talking, and not yeah. you know. I don't need to work on it, but you do. Yes. Well, yeah. thank you. Yeah. No, but thanks for thanks. Uh, was Jim for clearing that up? Yes. For uh, clearing that up. I wanted to just mention. Um, oh, I know. We mentioned. Uh, couple of times our our parents Dave you talked about your dad last time correct I've talked about my dad being in the Navy uh, during World War two we're gonna try to get him on the show at some point but I also I forgot to mention my mom and her effort during the war my mom was actually uh, worked in Waterbury Connecticut for the US Timex company making bomb sites Timex had converted from making watches to making bomb sites like a bomb site, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a place where bombs are? <laughs> the site? Uh, a site, uh, site, sighting mechanisms for, for bombers. Oh, S-I-G-H-T. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Waterbury, Connecticut. Wasn't yeah. that one of the towns focused on in the PBS special, The War? Uh, I don't know. Did you not see that? I did see that, but I didn't see that part. I thought they, they focused on like five towns. I thought Waterbury. I'll have to check. Anyway, we recommend that TV series. And, yes, and um, thanks, Mom, for your effort. Absolutely. That was great. Uh, well, today we've got a guest in the broadcast foxhole. We want to welcome Bob Holstrom. Bob? Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming. It's good to know that uh, your mom helped uh, build bomb sites to <laughs> kill our enemies. <laughs> yeah. Learn something new every day. Yeah. You have to put that so harshly <laughs> oh, okay. to eliminate our opponents. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like Kill Our Enemies. <laughs> so, Bob, tell us uh, a little about yourself and your, well, mostly about your gaming. We really don't care about any of <laughs> don't other aspect of your life. <laughs> well, that's pretty typical ASLers there. How uh, many pets do you have? Uh, I think I've What's spent, I've known like ASLers 15 years, and I still don't know what their wives' names are. So, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty typical with, with what we do. Uh, my name's Bob Holmstrom. I'm 34 years old. I live up here in the beautiful northwest suburbs of Chicago. Uh, currently, it's a mecca of squad leader between all the, the different groups that are getting together, the Northern Illinois group, the Palatine group. So it's pretty uh, pretty good stuff, pretty, uh, pretty good area to live as far as uh, gaming ASL. Um, are been, you married? Uh, no, I'm not. Girls? He's, he's available, all you ladies out there <laughs> I'm listening. not available right now. Oh, no, you're not? I, okay. Yes, I'm currently been dating my lovely oh. girlfriend for two years now. So. Oh, okay. And she'll probably be listening on, so it's good I put that in. Yeah. <laughs> and she lets you game. That's important. Yeah, well, that's we nice. already had that conversation. Yeah, my so, wife and I did, too. <laughs> I recommend, listeners, you set that tone from the beginning. I, yeah, I have one night a week, minimum. That's right. You know, I'm not going out for poker night. I'm not going out, you know, I'm not watching the sports all day long. I'm playing squad leader once a week at least. And so that's once that's set... They, you know, you get used to that, and that's the way things are. I agree. Uh, yeah. Being up front is important if you game, because I think a lot of gamers tend to hide their habits. 
and then uh, <laughs> closets could gamers. Right, could yeah. be a little shock for uh, for you know for a wife or significant other. Yeah. So um, okay, what else you got for me? Uh, you've been playing uh, Squad Leader for how long? Um, well, I've been playing Squad Leader since I was about seven years old. Wow. So that would be about 1980, 1979, no. 80. Yeah, I played my first game of Squad Leader when right around 1980. My brother Dale, uh, who's yes. eight years older than me, okay, um, he beat me about 40 consecutive times in Squad <laughs> Leader uh, up until I was about 12 years old, and then I, I finally won a game against him. Although he let me win, he told me later, which I do believe that's the case. Okay, because I was going to recommend <clears> to my <throat> listeners, when you're training a new person in the game, <laughs> let them win. And the danger is they won't come back to the game. Well, we were, you know, he was my brother. I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah. seven years old. I wasn't going to run away. Well, I did run into the cornfield sometimes crying after a particularly vicious beating. Which... I did that the other night, in fact, <laughs> after leaving Dave's house. <laughs> right into the cornfields. Cathartic. So. Yeah. So, so seven years old, really. Wow, that's and that's the standard squad leader, not advanced. Right. That was a squad leader, Cross of Iron, Crescendo of well, Doom. Well, you know, now that I things. think about it, both my boys have played their, uh, um, Aaron played his first game at six, and Adam at eight, so I walked them through it. They had fun rolling the dice. and Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, but <laughs> there, were, there were cool little counters, and I got to roll dice, and, yeah. and it was fun up until I got crushed and ran out and cried, so, <laughs> you know. So, um, but uh, as far as advanced squad leader, I started, I, I actually picked up advanced squad leader rulebook and beyond valor in 95, didn't actually play, play it until 99, 2000 is when I really started playing, uh, advanced squad leader. So about eight years I've been playing. And you were down in St. Louis before you came here? That's correct. Yeah. I had a good group of guys in St. Louis we, we gamed with every week and, uh, a lot of different types of players, and yeah, it was a good experience down there. You'd play every week. We had yeah, we play every group? week. Uh, like uh, on a Saturday. We no, it was usually be I think it, we varied it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh. I can't remember which. We play once a week during the week, and then we play on weekends too. So I mean, we had a very active group, lots of members at that time. I don't know that it's that active anymore, but certainly was at one time. And what is uh, what other games did you play in your past? Played just about everything. I played role-playing games, Euro games, card games, other war games. Um, so I played played most everything. I, a good game's a good game, but squad leader's hard to beat. ASL's a hard game to beat, and once you start playing it and enjoying it, it's it's uh, it's something that keeps your interest. How long after you started playing did you start going to tournaments? Well, uh, pretty much right away. I think I played for about a year and a half before I went to my first tournament. And that was the St. Louis tournament, I believe, in 2001. Um, and that was a, a really good experience for me. Um, played different people, uh, not from around St. Louis, people I didn't know. That's always interesting. And um, I also had a really good showing. I won my first three games uh, before losing to Paul Sidhu, which excellent player in the tournament scene and uh, so yeah it was that was a lot of fun and that's when I knew I could kind of play the game a little bit and um, I well you actually you told me and I know you had a lot of positive experiences at tournaments right oh, sure absolutely you recommend them to everybody I do they're always absolutely. a great time and everything they are always a good time but um, do you have any stories of a bad opponent um, I like bad stories <laughs> I, have a, I have a few I'm sure everybody does uh, probably the most annoying Annoying is, of course, the person who takes forever to play. Um, and, I, you know, truthfully, I haven't ran into anybody like that in the last couple of years. I know the first few years there were that I played in tournaments, there were a few notorious players who were famous for, uh, you know, taking a very long time to move. Um, and that can be a very frustrating experience uh, because you lose interest in the game very quickly. Um, and it, it makes it not be fun. Um, nobody wants to sit there and stare at somebody else for 20 minutes while the <laughs> other person looks at the board. That's just not a lot of fun. Um, do you think they uh, do they do that simply because their uh, brain is defective, or <laughs> is it a strategy for these players? I don't. I really don't think it's a strategy for most oh, okay. players. I think it's just the way they play. They. Yeah. I shouldn't um, say it's a brain defect. I mean, 
Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I have the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the players that probably play slow, although not all of them play a lot of vassal. They play a lot of online where you don't, oh, of right. course, have to, you know, or play by email where you don't have yeah. to move quickly. You don't right. have to worry about the other person's time being yeah. wasted. So, and sometimes in this game, you know, we talk about strategy and everything, but sometimes it just comes down to, you know, just just make the move, and it's it ends up being about six of one, half a dozen of another. Yeah. If you <laughs> get lucky in the prep, the you know on that roll, you broke okay, you broke him. The strategy was good. If you make the run, you know, across the street, you make your morale check again on a low right. roll. It's good. It works. So. And you know there are certain points in a game where where you do have to take your time and you do have to think all your moves out. And I certainly understand that. That's not something where I'm sitting there going, you got to move now. You got to move now. Right. That's uh, you know I do the same thing. Everybody does. There's critical points where you have three vehicles and three squads, and you got to do exactly what you need to do, and you need to figure out exactly how you're going to do it. Uh, so that that's that's a course a different thing entirely but if you got a broken squad and you don't know if you're going to route them to this wood sex or this wood sex and and it really doesn't matter where you go but you're going to spend five minutes thinking about it you know that's a bit much yeah i do know what you're saying with those critical moments it's especially you know the, making sure you got enough movements to get there uh surrounding the enemy with those three tanks making sure you don't forget to cut off some route path um right those kind of yeah. things if you're going too quick at that point, you can make those critical mistakes. Right, absolutely. Has there ever been a, a tournament where uh, the turns are timed? Because, you know, this is a conflict simulation, and to me, if, if you're going to really get a real closer to a real-life experience out of it, then you shouldn't be able to take 20 minutes to decide. I, I, do, I do know in Australia they have used chess clocks, and there's been discussion about different tournament directors thinking about using them. I'd be all for a chess clock yeah, uh, myself be be cool. um, because I do think there should be some time pressure. And I do think uh, in tournaments, when scenarios go over the, the designated length uh, past the round, um, if one player's taking 80% of the time and the other player's taking 20% of the time, obviously that's not fair to the, the person who's moving quickly. Um, especially if there's adjudication, if a tournament director has to, you know, make a decision on a game. But I, I don't, you know, you know, a lot of people say, too, well, it's about fun anyway, so I put the stress of a chess clock. So I can yeah. understand that, too. Yeah. But it might give a better indication of uh, the skill of a player if they, you know, not everybody is cut out to be a squad leader. Not everybody can handle the pressure of a real-life situation, and maybe the clock would... Give a filter those people out. Certainly, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Have you guys it's ever tried idea. playing? Uh, no, I'd like clock. to try it sometime. Can. Next time we'll we play, play I think we should put a clock on it and see. Mm. Yeah, because I got more experience than you, so I probably won't need all my time. Yeah. So I'll play you in that. Okay. Not Bob. I, I'd like to. I'd like to just. <laughs> I'd like to push myself to make faster decisions because I, I suffer from analysis paralysis. Yeah, and you, and like I said, uh, well, before the show, I think uh, I was telling them that I was going to sit down and, and paint some miniatures, but didn't get around to it because I was uh, cleaning up the Thursday night squad leader game and had a half-set-up game on the board. And I, I spent half an hour that night just looking at it, you know, <laughs> thinking, oh, if I'm the American, I can move this. And there's a myriad of things that you, you yeah. can look at, just so many. Yeah. But I can totally understand getting you know bogged down in it. But sometimes players, too, they'll jump kind of um, uh, ahead, way ahead. And I, I kind of encourage them, well, yeah, later on, you know, when you get down to that end of the board, that might be a possibility. Right now, you know, make this move or roll the dice or, you know, or they'll sit and start to strategically analyze. That's an end game thing. Do that at the end of the game. You know, start saying, well, if I had done this or done that, well, uh, I'd love to talk to you about that, but let's finish the game yeah. first, you know. Yeah. Not turn by turn analyzing the game as it goes. Um, tournaments, that wouldn't happen. You told me a story, Bob, about somebody you were playing and... Um, they, were they moving a piece on the board or something? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the one I want to hear. <laughs> won't Just say which tournament it was. I won't even no. say what years, no year names. it was. But it was, it was quite a few years ago, and it's playing in a tournament. And, um, yeah, there was a relatively new player, and um, and we were we were playing a fairly important game in, in, in the tournament. We both they were pretty successful. And um, it was the old Orlick and the Ulans uh, scenario, and... and it was very frustrating because I know he was a newer player, but he would move his pieces on the board, and then uh, he didn't have them concealed. 
And then he said, well, they're all concealed. And I said, well, no, they're not. They're on the board. He said, well, I'm taking them all back off. So he took all his counters back off the board. And uh, I probably should have said something then, <laughs> which this I didn't. This was right at the beginning. This was, yeah, this was right at the beginning of the snare, and I didn't. And um, and that became kind of a contentious game all the way through. He would he would make a move, I would roll the dice for some effect, and he would say, well, I never would have made that move. Uh, and I ended up conceding the game uh, because I just, it, it was it was not fun. Yeah. Um, he was not a very happy person. <laughs> and, um, yeah, if something didn't go right, uh, in the game, he, he, he was worse than Gary Trezza. So if you guys don't know Gary Trezza, he's a, uh, he's a very vocal guy, a great guy. But um, anyway. Uh, Is he from New York? Uh, yeah, Gary's from New York. Oh, we already talked about mm-hmm. him in a past show. How, how I, he scares me. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, that, I, I remember that story. And there's even more to that story, Bob. Yeah, I'm not going to go into all the details of it. It's a very interesting situation. And, yeah, when you're teaching a new player, that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. You want to say, oh, I didn't realize that was a neg two mm-hmm. shot. Well, take it back. Mm-hmm. See how it will work differently. But right. you know, that's I, it, teaching somebody. People who play me, you don't know, no, I'm not a strict, you know, ASOP guy. I don't, I don't, unless somebody wants to play that way, I don't play that way. But there are certain things you should never do in, in, in a game. And one of them is, is to take your moves back. Uh, you know, I, unless you're strictly a rookie player, make your moves and you learn from your mistakes. And that's yeah. the only way to learn. Yeah. It's the only way you're going to learn how to play. Yeah. So. Um, and, in fact, I have a friend, Chris, I don't know if I told this story yet, but we started a game up, and he brought his 10-neg-3 leader on, and I took this, you know, long-range shot with a heavy machine gun and my neg-1 leader, you know, and just rolled snakes. <laughs> he, just, he just looked at it, and he went, okay, write it down as your victory. We're starting over again. <laughs> and he took back his 10-neg-3 leader, put him on the board, and goes, okay, first move, one, two, three, and this time he went through the woods instead of through the open. So he gave you know, but he gave me the whole game. Um, same guy, and I, he won't mind me saying this, I'm sure. Um, though, was playing a game with a guy, and he, he he said, "Well, can I take that back?" And our other friend said, "Yeah, sure." And then near the end game, right, the other oh, friend yeah. said, "Oh, <laughs> could I take that move back?" And the guy who had already gotten the grace, right, nope. said. No, 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 no. <laughs> no way. And we all just started laughing. Dude, you just, you, dude, you can't do that. You know? Right. So set the tone of the game. and But, yeah, again, like you say, sometimes you want to practice a game where you're getting ready for a tournament. You know, don't let me take anything back. You know, mm-hmm. you know I'm going to try and move relatively quickly. I'm going to do these things. Right. Well, I was, uh, the person who really taught me, or one of the main guys who taught me early was a guy named uh, Steve Brasseur, and he's um, in St. Louis. He's a very strict Aesop guy. I mean, up to Aesop the point. The advanced sequence of play. Advanced, advanced <laughs> sequence of play. Oh, Aesop. So he, he he's a Is very that the chart guy. with like 10,000? Yeah, that's that chart. I never it. make you follow. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> oh, you did when I didn't throw my smoke first. Well, that one sure, scenario. Of course, I deserved it. That's how you that, there's it. very few things yeah. I was stuck. That's yeah. one of them. Because I did fire that machine in there. You're right. And I did plan to do that. But uh, he was a very strict guy as far as, you know, if you don't, if you rally before you try and repair, you can't repair. Oh, holy so cow. So that, that, that type of strictness. So that's kind of how I learned to play, and, and that's a good way to learn how to You play. have to repair first? Yeah. Okay, I quit playing squad leader. I'm not coming back to the squad <laughs> You're kidding me. Well, because you wow. could rally a unit with a support weapon that's broken. Oh, we don't let them. And then they, if you didn't okay. already repair, then you could come back and go, oh, well, they'll try and repair it. You are correct. Although, typically, yeah, when that happens in our games, I always like say, well, I can't fix that weapon because that guy was broken this round. But you're right, you might forget, you might... That's the reasoning. I don't care. I don't follow yeah. it unless somebody really insists on following it because it really doesn't make a bit of difference to me. Yeah. <laughs> you're still going to trounce your opponent. No, matter no, well, <laughs> no, not the last tournament. <laughs> any result or any indication. A bad last tournament. So, Have you traveled any distance to go to tournaments? Not really. I just stay in the Midwest. Um, I want to get out to uh, Oktoberfest one of these years out in Cleveland. Yeah, Ohio one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was my first one. It was used to be in Youngstown. Mm-hmm. I've never been, so yeah. eventually I'm going to go. Um, I'd like to go out to the Winter Offensive, which is MMP's uh, tournament oh, official. out in, out in uh, the East Coast. Um I like to go to Europe and go to a tournament or two there. So, oh yeah, you know, we're waiting. We just need an invitation. 
<laughs> Who's going to pay our airfare? Oh, yeah. Invitation and the airfare, right. You guys could do a podcast. Oh, we could. And have a donate button. Yes. <laughs> click that donate button and click it often. It'll send us to a report from a foreign tournament. We got a donation from a, from a guy in the UK the other day. And I think Joe. A dollar. Thank you. Oh. And but every bit. Sure. We love it. So sure, what do you use that money for? It's the beer? So far. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, listeners. No. Yeah, we um, bought this great, we know where we can get this great six-pack of beer for a dollar. <laughs> no. Oh, well, we blew it. We weren't yeah. going to mention beer. On Don't one send the money now. <laughs> Next episode. Um, well, we have the, the, the so far, so I think it's almost covered the fees for the... For the for the place for that is hosting, hosting the podcast. We have to pay for that. Okay. We pay for bandwidth, though. I think we're going to have to up the bandwidth because we have had so many downloads. So far in May, we're 80% of our bandwidth. Oh, so okay. So that would cost that. more money. So we, it pays for that, and we, we, we want to do an equipment upgrade at some point. Right, and then, of course, if some game companies out there... Critical Hit, Multiman Publishing wants oh, to. Oh, Bob, he's <laughs> got okay. us pulling out. Yeah. You are so... There you guys go. You Listen. suckered me in. <laughs> Listen to that. Um, those are American greenbacks. And, of course, if you want your products reviewed on our show, you may have to send us a copy <laughs> so we can get it and so review it. So we can it. review it. Right. That's right. I mean, I yeah, mean, you do laugh, but that seriously, that we is... We could uh, do that. Because I'm, we, we I'm not buying a whole bunch of... We would know, send it back then, wouldn't we? Uh, we could. I mean, no. we could. Oh, no, we're going to keep it. Yeah. Right. I'll, st- I'll edit that part out. <laughs> no, we can send it back. Um, <laughs> now, back to Bob's interview. Yeah, back to Bob's interview. We're done passing the plate. Uh, any other uh, interesting uh, tournament uh, you? stories? Uh, the one good thing about tournaments is you really you really meet a lot of good people, and, and, and you see them over and over again um, You know, every year at the tournaments. Yes. And it really makes for a good you know, camaraderie. Um, there's guys that, you know, I'll, I'll see one time a year, but it's like, Hey, how you doing? Let's have, a, let's have a beer. Let's sit down and chat. And, and so, uh, you know, it's a very positive thing. You feel part of a community when you, when you do tournaments. And, and I think that's a, it's a really nice feature of a squad leader as opposed to maybe a lot of other war games, which are, you know, which don't have a tournament scene, which don't have that type of, uh, you know, it's more or less a couple guys know each other and they play, you know, a war game once in a while. And that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and I would reiterate again, most of the guys are, are very, very cool people. And when I mention gaming to outside of the gaming circles, friends, you know, friends who don't game at all, um, they conjure up images of these nerdy, you know, smelly fat guys with beards or these weird chicks playing D&D and stuff like that. And the squad leader, I, I tell them, really, these people seem like they're all like engineers somewhere or something. Right? Yeah, they're just ordinary. It's definitely a different crowd than than when you see like uh, at Winter War. They have the D and D groups and the LARP groups, and they tend to be a little different. And the more on the nerdy side, are a lot different. The SLers seem more. I don't know for whatever reason not as geeky. Of course, we are geeky. We are geeky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and proud of it. And proud of it. Um, yeah, but that that is true. Uh, Quieter, not as dramatic kinds of people, but analytical, very analytical, and I think that's the game. You know, obviously lends itself to that. It's yes. more it mathematical, does, yeah. and so on. Um, is there is what if you're in a new player? How experienced do you need to be? Do you think to go to a tournament? I mean, if you have no no level of embarrassment, I guess you could go your first day <laughs> out if you wanted well, to. Uh, yeah, you could. I mean, you you could go. Literally, with with just reading the rule book and going, yeah. Um, you know, you're you're gonna go zero and five or zero and seven, and as long as those expectations are fine, guys at tournaments will always take a win yeah. and do it with a smile and a handshake and oh. and treat and teach you a few things about the game. So um, yeah, I would encourage any any skill level to go to a tournament. Yeah, I would too. Although you're not interviewing me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I need to ask you a really serious question and a, pers- right. a private question. So okay. oh, I'll leave the room. No. IFT or IIFT? What's the IIFT? Are you stuttering? IIFT? IIFT. The incremental fire table? You don't know that? I don't know. Is it? Holy cow, I can't believe. can't be an official part of Squad Leader, can it? Well, it did come out from the journals. I mean, the... 
first thing before the journals, the annuals. Oh, what a funny looking thing that is. You, know? you, have not really? in, you yeah. haven't seen the incremental fire of table. Of course I've seen the incremental oh, fire <laughs> table. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just choose to ignore it when I can. I do possible. too. Why? So why? The concealment. I remember an article. Uh, first let's explain it. For, for oh, you're new, right. For you're the right. newbies. <clears throat> That's what we always forget to do. The number of factors go um, instead of... 1, 2, 4, 6, 8, 12, 16. It goes, it goes every one, number? One and a half, two, two and a half, three, three and a half. So Even the halves. Where, where before, if you rolled a 9, you would just round down to it. Uh, you mean if you had a, uh, if a you firepower had a nine, of three, nine firepower. three partisan squads? Yeah, three, if you had three, a nine three firepower, nine. you'd just round it down to an 8. <clears throat> right. But on the incremental fire table, there's a column for the 9. Right. So right. that's what it is. Why don't you like it? Um, it's not that I don't like it. Well, okay, I don't like it. I'm okay. not, not going to lie about it. I don't like the thing. Um, th there's two reasons. One's, one is a completely illogical reason, I guess, and that is I have more or less the regular IFT memorized. And there's no way I'll ever memorize the, the IFT. Um, you know, and it's so easy, you know, eight on an eight. What's an eight on a nine? Eight on the eight's a normal check, right, and that's it? the only one that I have memorized on the IFT. <laughs> What's eight on a nine? I don't know. What is it? Let's look. Eight on the nine is a normal. It's still a normal. Normal morale okay. check. What about on the seven? Still on the seven, thing? it's a CTC. Okay. C a CTC? So, uh, sorry, PTC. <laughs> PTC. Yeah, okay. it's a PTC. So uh, that's one reason. The other is I don't think many scenarios are play tested with the IIFT. That's and true. that certainly can give an advantage when you're playing with partisans, paratroopers, right. those five, four, eight German squads. Yep. Uh, you know, it certainly could give an advantage that wasn't play tested in the scenario. Um, I am mellowing though, and in your perhaps in the future I'll play a few scenarios on the IAFT if, if my opponent wants to in a non tournament situation. <laughs> I believe Joe Pelham likes to use the IAFT. So. He does, yeah. So I may play one or two with him. Just Is there a rule in the tournaments that you have to play with one or the other? Um, to your knowledge? The rules in most tournaments in the U.S. are, are simply you can. The IFT is the default, which is just what the rules say. But if both, both players want to use the IFT, they certainly can. So I've only had a few players want to use the IFT, and, of course, I'd laugh at them and would continue on from there. Well, I learned a good, a good thing from Bob about tournaments. Um, I don't think I mentioned this on the other show about tournaments, but I was playing the person who wanted to share the dice, and it, mm -hmm. it really threw me, the concept of somebody rolling my dice jar, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, why? And he's like, well, what are you, superstitious? And I thought, well, no, actually you are if you think my dice are magical. I said, <laughs> you can have these dice, right? and I'll get another set, but I'd rather just not share them. And then he's like, oh, you're superstitious. I'm like, well, okay, here, let's share. And then Bob pointed out, what did you tell me about sharing dice? Why it is a bad idea? There's a lot of reasons why sharing a dice are a bad idea. One is... If you roll a normal morale check, you get a result. The other player picks the dice up, rolls their morale check, and, oh, did I have rate of fire? Well, I don't know. The dice aren't there. So, same if, if you shoot at a tank, okay? Do crew survive? Was, was that a turret hit? Did I have rate of fire? Was that multiple hits? Uh, yeah, I, there's no rule that says you have to share dice. Uh, first time somebody asked me to share dice, I did, I, and I didn't like it at all, and now I won't do it. Um, somebody can give me a set of dice. They can take any set they have I'll play with. They can take any set I haven't played with, but um, I don't share dice as a general rule. Yeah, and I think that's a, a very good advice, you know, to keep track of so many things in there in the game. You know, MMP distributes the IIFT. It's in the new... It's in the new rule book. Right. Yeah. And the initial conversation on the IIFT, and I think... I, yeah, I don't know. I used to read all the fan letters and journals I could get my hands on. Um, but I think it was the journal, they were calling it the concealment stripping chart. Right, and I, I believe there's an optional rule for the IFT, too, where they take those out if it's only for concealment stripping. How does that work, concealment They stripping? added a pin test check into each, yeah, each sure, something column, like something like that. So where before a roll would have been nothing, it's now a concealment or a pin check, which strips concealment. Strips concealment. And so they also said it affected game balance and stuff like that. Uh, do you play uh, other stuff other than the MMP stuff? 
squad leader, like critical sure. hit? Um, yeah, I'll pl I play pretty much anything. I don't buy anything. Um, uh, I kind of take the Dave Kleinschmidt approach these days, which, which not that there's a lot of good stuff out there, um, but I have so much at squad leader stuff at this point. I mean, I n I'll never play it all, of course. And so I'm kind of just limiting myself to f official products right now. There are great stuff like that. I highly recommend Critical Hits Hero Packs, for example. The Hero Pack scenarios are great stuff, well worth owning. Um, I have um, some stuff from Heat of Battle that's good. I have um, a lot of Heat of Battle. Um, <clears throat> some yeah, Schwerpunk, um, I don't, some Schwerpunk packs. So, I mean, I do have different things. I just, it's not a matter of I don't like them. They're all good. It's, it's just almost the point of, you know, if I keep up buying everything out there, one, I, I have so much stuff I've never played and I probably never will even open. And um, so I'm just going to kind of limit my purchases for the time being uh, to MMP. But there's good stuff from all companies out there. Yeah, yeah especially if you're now playing Valor of the Guards campaign games. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're going to put months into sure. this? Sure. Like at the uh, Action Pack 4... Um, or action pack three, excuse me, Mark uh, Pitkevich is why I played one scenario out of that, you know, and it, it's I probably should have played most of them by now. Yeah. Um, so that's how behind I am as far as uh, keeping up with stuff. Well, we're gonna go to the what's, what's in, in the, the box. box segment of our show. Yeah, speaking of Valor of the Guards. Um, I did bring my Valor of the Guards tonight, and I'm waiting anxiously. My that. It's still shrink-wrapped. It's shrink-wrapped. Shrink did you break into it? No, no, I did not. I waited because, as Bob was just saying, there's so much other stuff to do and look at. I decided yeah. when I was younger, it would have been really hard to not open this. At, you know, <laughs> okay, the day sure, I got it. Sure. But I'm a little older now, more mature. Patient. You are more mature. You don't now, more mature. Well, yeah. I'm now going to open the box. And you can hear the fingernail going along the... That's very effective. Jeff, how, what kind of wrapper is this on the package, would you say? Uh, that's a uh, number three Mylar. Uh, I have no idea. Really. I think so high quality um, plastic that I can't get off. Yeah. Here it is. Tearing it off. What's in this box? Bob knows because he's already playing a campaign game. Become don't very, tell me, I've don't become tell very me. familiar with the contents of that box. <laughs> Well, the back. Now we won't leave the back yet. <clears throat> right on top oh. is your any problems with this game? Please contact MMP, telling you what to look for in here. I keep losing. Can I return this? If you really like it, you ought to check out Dispatches from the Bunker, a newsletter about ASL by Vic Provost and the Bunker Crew. Are they advertising a non-MMP? It MMP appears they are. I've never seen that before. I've like, never seen that before. I think when I uh, each issue reasonably priced. Hmm. You know, I bought Beyond Valor last year. That was my when I was first started getting into ASL. I bought it last year. I opened the box and they included their the Avalon Hill uh, catalog in the box. So I think that one's been sitting around the, uh, the warehouse for a while. <laughs> I wanted to send away for all those great games for $5 a piece or whatever they were. <laughs> Can I still get these? Here's two um, card chart the campaign force campaign game force organizer. Do you use these, Bob, in your campaign sure? game? Absolutely. You'd use one for the German side, one for the Russian oh, side. Oh, there you go. You flip it over. Just like that. Okay, you mark down your reserves. For all your casualties, everything. You actually put there. counters on mm -hmm. those? Yep. Okay. I really don't do too many. I said, um, some rules there. The rules are. More rules. Why do we need more rules? Because, what because our brains are not full yet yeah. of rules. Um, okay, we, what a list of debris. Already know it from uh, Red Barricades sure. and. Maybe in Pegasus Bridge and stuff. I think it appears in a couple of things. Debris rules. Lumberyards. Aren't lumberyards in the original they are. set? Why are they in here then? Well, I don't know. Why don't you start reading As it? they supposed <laughs> to. We won't go that much. So, uh, Rus Russian lumber. It's different. They thought maybe since you'd played it. Um, railroad rules. Those have been done. I'm going to assume they're similar. But the deal is if you don't have that game, yeah. the railroad rules were not in the original 
set of squad leader roles. So I think they were included in the new updated second edition. Jeff, they are. Do you want They're to in the they second are? edition. Uh, <clears throat> Rail cars. That sounds different. They are. Those are new. Okay. Printed rubble on the board. Okay. Uh, Valor of the Guards factories. Mm -hmm. That's a little, little, little different. Yeah, they are. How could you tell us? Uh, real briefly, they're smaller. They're usually denoted by having a white dot on them. Um, and they also can be gutted, which is a new rule in Valor of the Guards, which means they have no roof on them. So there, there were roofless factory rules right. in the Red Barricades, but... Um, gutted is yeah, a little different. A little um, the cellar rules, which, again, we've seen before. Fountains. Yes! Fountains. I always wanted fountains. I don't know why. <laughs> The sound of the water wrong with running, you, you know. <laughs> right. um, and you actually have to use the waiting rules uh, when to you go use fountains, fountains to go through the fountains. Okay. You, know, you have to break out chapter E and go through the waiting. And I'm just kidding. Yeah, are you kidding? I was gonna, how big is the fountain? <laughs> how big is the fountain? Okay, um, but the scene from Clockwork Orange, the movie, he's watching the violent movies with his eyes propped open. They're showing World War Two right. footage. And there's a scene, and it's from Stalingrad, I think, where there's these dancing children sculptures circling around oh, and stuff, okay. and various fountains in the city scenes. That, and, it's, and it's striking because you see this beautiful work of art, and the background is this ruined city you know, at war. And so that, that contrast always struck me as rather poetic or, or something. Um, but fountain rules, I'm anxious to read that. City squares, okay, probably designates... Uh, Borders there, Volga piers. Have you had experience with those? Well, uh, I see what they are. They're basically where the boats can come in and land. But really, their key as far as the German has to cut them off. Okay. Okay. Um, and then some campaign game rules, which I never here. It's got the picture of the sculpture thing on it. I unbelieve that. Look, it's all right, listeners. Go to page V eight in your Valor of the Guards rules. I did not know that was there. I swear to you. Look at no, that. I they would, chose I, the exact picture oh, wow. that I'm talking about. I should have wrote this game. I should have made this game myself. Do <laughs> you believe that? Destined. What are That's the odds amazing. of that? What are the odds of that? And what's back here? Okay. I, I haven't seen the movie. So my mom won't let me watch it. <laughs> you really have to see it. My mom was very upset when she came down and we were watching that one day. So she didn't. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think I was about 12 years old. Oh, that's so, a little young. Yeah, but my one brother was 15. My other brother's 20. Of course, they're got you know, Conan that's the Barbarian, right. yeah. Clockwork oh, yeah, Orange, yeah. you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> um, and then the Be Red Barricades rules. Is this just a reprint of the... Yeah, those are just the rules that you'll need to play Vower the Guard. So they kind of condense the Red Barricades rules Okay. just into what you need. Oh, yeah, Molotov projectors added in here and so on. <clears throat> All right, then you got your campaign game roster. You got that nice blue sheet of paper with the three ring punched holes in it that I, I use to actually log in all my games that I play. You have the first bid, the last bid is, is in the oh, other man. game. As um, scenarios, I'm looking at one. Well, the, the last bid is a double sided, so that's one. Yeah, take a look. That's Start huge. counting them up. <laughs> Two, three, four, five, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. A Pavlov's house, fifteen scenarios, maybe, mm -hmm. which is a great About deal. 16. Oh, I left some in the box. Sixteen, 17. seventeen scenarios. Excellent. Nice job, MMP. Because I remember buying like Comp Group Piper number two, and it had like four, four scenarios. scenarios. <laughs> And I don't play campaign <laughs> games. And I'm sitting there going, oh, four scenarios. I think it was the only time I actually wrote a letter. Really? Yeah, to a company ex expressing my disappointment. Yeah. Um, and a ver another version of Pavlov's House. There's a lot of those out there, isn't there? Right? This would be the official, I'm sure, real Pavlov's House. So excellent MMP. Lots of good scenarios. And More blue. Or another blue sheet with no, no. ring hole punches. Did they give you? Did they give uh, you another? I haven't. Maybe you I got third. too many oh. of. You got three. I uh, got too many camp campaign game force organizers. They sent me that. Probably they felt bad that they never notified me my credit card I had think expired. That's, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I had to actually. They knew that them. would soften you up. 
And of course, the huge map. I don't have to break this out because we have the miniature version of the map right here we're looking at. Look at that, Jeff. What do you think? Oh, man. I've seen this uh, set up at Joe's house, and uh, it's a monster. Oh, rail lines yeah. all through the back there. The pier. Here's the piers that Bob's talking about. So and you're playing this now, Bob. That's correct. There are four players playing, right? Right. All right. How's it going so far? It's you know it's it's a lot You're of still fun. setting up. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no, we did that in yeah. one night. No, no it's way. it's 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 a lot of fun. It's uh, some of the best ASL I've played in a long time. Campaign games are always fun, first of all, because if you have the time and the ability to leave them set up, one, it's even if you lose the one day, you don't you don't feel like you've lost the whole campaign. You know, you yeah. you don't have to worry. Oh, you know. You lose on the last die roll of the day. Well, that's over. That kind of was disappointing. You know, campaign games keep going on and on, and, and so that's that makes them kind of enjoyable in that regard. So uh, it's it's really difficult terrain for our opponents to tack through. Uh, they're kind of struggling, Joe and uh, Brian, a little bit, but uh, they're starting to make headway, and we'll see how it goes. But it's definitely very enjoyable. Two thumbs up on Valor of the Dark. How, so, how have well, you uh, divided the... Uh, tasks between you and who are you playing with uh, Bob side? Miller okay. Bob Miller and I Bob this uh, has taken the north end of the, the map okay. um, and we basically just divide it in half and I took the south end Joe's going up against Bob in the north and uh, Brian is going and I are tangling in the south mm. it's worked out surprisingly well you know it's been fairly easy to divide up are you playing um, kind of separate like you do all your prep and then go right on into the next phase while they're still prepping or do you wait till we, we tend to wait till the phase is done everybody's okay. done with the phase before we go to the next phase um that's pretty much how we've been playing it because you can get in some strange things with snipers or, or things like right that, that would cross the boards yeah. and yeah um yeah looking at the components um Anything new there? Is this a satchel charge image those are, on the A38s? Those are assault engineers. They're denoted by their satchel <clears throat> charges Look and they're, that. they're higher smoke exponents. Five. Right. Woohoo! Five smoke exponents. Yeah, how often do you get the three smoke exponents and never get one oh, yeah. know, during a, <laughs> during a game or a turn? Uh, and then some standard Russians. Look at that. Did you see that, Jeff? Um. Is my name on a counter yet? Kleinschmidt, the good German name. Did I, did I come out in one of these new leaders? I thought, weren't you on one of the other ones? No, my name was mentioned in a scenario. Oh, um, Art Nouveau, uh, AS uh, Scenario eighty eight. Hmm. Not one of the worst scenarios ever published. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and actually mentions Colonel Kleinschmidt, and is, so my name is actually in a scenario, but it's not a relative of mine that I know of. Bunch of sniper counters, uh, of course, a lot of terrain stuff, the rubble, the anti-tank ditches. I'm looking at this. Can I go back to smoke for a second? Oh, sure. And I got a question Five, for you guys man. because, uh, and Bob, are you um, also a history buff? A little bit, yeah. Uh, I just, I read something recently, and I'll have to find the website, but they, <coughs> they were stating that uh, it was from this other game company, and they were stating that they didn't use smoke in their game because smoke in truth, was not used that much during World War II, especially by infantry. Oh. It just wasn't effective. Hand-thrown smoke grenades were not that effective. You know, if you throw smoke out there, the enemy just knows, hey, there's somebody that's going to run through that smoke, and they'll just open Start fire. firing into it. And it was not <laughs> The smoke isn't actually going to stop a bullet right? the wall. And, and, you know, it's very effective in squad later, but it wasn't really that, that much used in World War II. So I'm, I thought I would... I would do some research on it. Haven't got a chance to do it yet. Don't yeah, know if right. you guys know anything you know, about it. I, I do not. But it's a question asked on Game Squad forums uh, months ago. There was somebody had posted a topic, and it, it, it's a subject I was interested in as well. And there's of course a bit of documentation, mm -hmm. you know, for infantry using smoke grenades. Uh, but I never really got a definitive answer as yeah. far as how prevalent was it. Was a tra something just troops trained in? So, um, but yeah. no, that'd be something that would be interesting to research. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Well, Von Paulus is actually a leader counter. That's a historical name. Von Paulus. Your name's not on there. You don't need to go through them all. There. No, I do. <laughs> <You're really laughs> Haas is on here. <laughs> Lieutenant Haas. Oh, Greg. Haas, yeah, Greg. of course. 
Oh, Greg Haas. My friend Greg. Oh, I'm gonna gotta call him up and tell him. No, Hallis. Schmidt's half of Kleinschmidt's on here. Yeah, Schmidt's off no, to take, take that. Um, but yeah, they got Von Paulus. That's historical. So are all these historical? Do you know? I have no clue. I'm gonna bet you they are. I, well, I don't know either. But we this question for one to think about. Um, what's this interdicted on the bridge question? Those are the piers. That's where if the Germans can lay firepower around the piers, they're interdicted. And that matters in the uh, victory conditions for the campaign game. Look at this. Fanatic strong point plus one morale level. That's good. What is that? That's uh, There's different types of fanatic strong points, but basically the Russians can declare buildings fanatic strong points and Makes it very difficult for the Germans to take them because obviously their morale's one higher. Oh, okay. <clears throat> you put an eight morale squad, the morale's a nine. You know, you put them with the commissar, the morale's a ten. And so you select the buildings then instead of having them preset in right. the scenario where they say, right. like, you know, units in building H3 are all fanatics. So mm -hmm. you'd put one of these in there, I take right. it. There are some negatives with the, the NKVD. There's different types of fanatic strongholds. The NKVD are the most common. Um, you can't leave them once you declare them an NKVD stronghold. So that means if you get in a bad spot, you can't retreat out of them. Okay. Uh, so that can make, make it a kind of a negative consequence. All right. But well, in general, they're, they're pretty effective so far. They seem to be in our game. It's good we uh, waited to open this. I forgot it yeah. last time. By coincidence, it's better having me just... Shouting out excitedly about things I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, having Bob here yeah. clarify. I think everybody's used to that by now. <laughs> <laughs> and he, here's some six two eights with the. Um, Those are the NKVD hammer troops. and the sickle. Those are the uh, special NKVD troops. Soviet symbol. They're second line troops, despite their eight morale, um, and their backside morale is one higher than normal. Oh. So uh, they. Yeah. And special, nice. special S Russian SS troops. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Excellent. They had, the guards. they had no smoke. Russians had no smoke at all, isn't that right? Uh, their assault engineer squads do. But these don't. And you'll actually see them on the special assault engineer squads you were looking at they earlier. They had a two, I think. Yep, they did. Right. That's right. Okay. But the old the old standard 628s, they didn't have any? Right. right. Okay. So uh, these are they have the satchel charge, so they're assault engineers, and they throw their smoke exponent on there. Same with the 838s, get theirs bumped for being assault engineers. Right, by special rule, mm -hmm. the rule on assault engineers is they all go up by two. Right. This is just printed now. Right. right. Okay, so I got overly excited for nothing. It was just fun to see it on there, yeah. though, as a five. Neat. Okay. Um, well, I th I'd say nice job putting this game out, MMP, and... Um, just missing that Kleinschmidt counter. Other than that, it's the only thing I can make it better. <laughs> Bob, have you brought any new guys, new players into the game recently? Uh, have I brought any new players? Not. I, I haven't you know, went out, grabbed somebody, and brought them in. Uh, I have helped uh, you know, teach a few new guys some uh, tricks of the trade and helped them along. I think we should start a campaign to uh, expand the ranks. Well, the PASL club is doing okay with that. Again, I got yeah. two uh, new players, Steve and Dan. We'll see if they stick it out, but they seem to have a lot of fun with it. Um, playing starter kit games, and uh, I'm not as familiar with the starter starter kit rules. You know, yeah, I've heard so they're pretty difficult. <laughs> In terms of, I keep wanting to do things oh, okay. that are allowed. I didn't know if you know. And the guy goes, "Well, wait a minute. You can't. What are you doing? Going behind the building? I'm bypassing." You can't bypass in a starter kit game. Well, yeah. here, let me teach you a new rule. Like, <laughs> someday you'll be bypassing. Here's the rule. But, um, yeah, two, two, two additional players. Hopefully they'll stick around and uh, keep the Northwest Suburbs as that hub of squad leader activity. The new mecca of ASO. <laughs> I think we should have a contest, a worldwide contest, maybe uh, in a later month. Maybe Speaking September or something. Have a worldwide act. Bring a friend. Get a new friend involved in squad leader. <laughs> Speaking of contests, I would like to, uh, I know Jeff thinks my historical um, montage collage is a little bit too long as a segue thing, and he is right, I got a little carried away making it, um, but before the historical segment, I would ask our readers, or listeners, um, to try and identify all five of the leaders who are speaking in the 
audio collage. There are five speakers. You can e uh, email that to us. There's no prizes involved, but next time you listen to it, try and identify all five leaders. Can't buy a prize with the $2 I just what? laid out there? <laughs> well, There's a family dollar store down the street, right? Okay, maybe we'll send you something. First yeah. person to respond after we post how would that work uh, anyway? i don't know we'll do yeah. that next, we'll next time we'll just say try and actually but listen for those five and try and identify but them. i would like to get a you history buffs contest going uh at a later time we'll get a contest going we'll uh, get a little donation from mmp give away some stuff yeah okay i'm telling you <clears throat> sure we will favorite scenarios dave do you have a favorite scenario i brought one with me that i started playing thursday as a matter of fact and I only got through turn three of it because we were helping the two new guys who wanted to play each other. So, so wait, wait, wait. You have a favorite scenario that you just started I playing? Finished, yes. Okay. <laughs> and, here's, and here's why. Hey, it's our um, show. Yeah, you <laughs> well, don't like no, it, no, I, I thought I was the member of the MTV generation, <laughs> but all right. <laughs> well, what struck me was in the setup, it's called for a few rounds more uh, J100, and it's on board three. And... What's neat is the Americans are moving up against the Germans in Menden, Germany, um, March of 1945. So the Germans got the conscripts and the second line troops going. But it's got two of the Sturm Tigers, right? The 380 sure. millimeter guns. And Which we were familiar with from the scenario we played uh, a few months ago. Yeah, and what always happens to them, they yeah, yeah. get flamed, flamed up. Or <laughs> they run out of ammo. <laughs> That's why it's called for a few rounds Blue more. transmission. Yeah, we've got an 11 move with uh, the red on it. And uh, some of the um, SPWs with the 12 IFT on the 20L with mm -hmm. the rate of fire. So that's nice if you can get them going. But also they can get, you know, with armor factor one. The Americans are moving up over two hills. And there's the valley in the middle on board three. And I don't remember seeing a whole lot of setups where they draw that line for the Germans to set up or anyone right south of those two hills putting the attack coming up over those two hills or choosing to channel through the valley or kind of skirt the edges of the hill um, and so I thought that was a really unique setup we're having a whole lot of fun with it so far and I thought I would just bring that to talk about and Bob's right it may not end up being a favorite scenario but um, I thought the design was really unique and different, and uh, and just liked what was happening so far because you could put you know Germans up in the building higher levels and cut off the open ground on the hills and and there's a lot of um, don't you get tired of board three though. Do do I get tired mm -hmm. of board three? Mm -hmm. No, because with all that new stuff, mm -hmm. it's been a while since I played on a board. Three. You know, board, but I will say I'm, you know, I'm kind of tired of board three. But out of the original boards or the the first six or however yeah. many. I think board three is the best because I think it holds up the best over, over or has held up the best. I still play on board three and find a line of sight. I don't know what's they going on. I find something there. interesting about board three. So. Yeah. But a uh, little side note there. Yeah, that's what I brought along. and uh, I haven't played it yet for a few more rounds. So, But I, I, it's one I've wanted to play. And, and maybe after you play it, you can, if you highly recommend it, then we can do it. Yeah. Uh, Bob, how about you? Have you got a one of your favorite scenarios you want to share with us um well you know it's i don't usually have, i don't really have a list of favorite scenarios because to me the scenarios i remember are usually because of my opponent as much as a scenario if you're playing with somebody and you're having a really good time and it's a really close game and all those factors come together that's what makes a good scenario um so it's really difficult because you know to say well this is this is a really excellent scenario uh, but if I did have to choose one in particular, I would say Eye of the Tiger uh, would be one I would play any time against anybody. I play it over and over again. Uh, for those not familiar with Eye of the Tiger, it's a Windy City War Gamers yeah. um, scenario. You were probably at that tournament, right, Dave? When they put I, that pack out, I was actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was. I think I was about ten years old back then. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but it's it's a great scenario. Um, it always is a little different because it, it begins with a, uh, a ship with a, this very heavy OBA that comes down that can wreak a lot of devastation. Um, 
Germans come on the board. They've got SS troops. They've got, of course, a Tiger tank and some Pumas. And uh, the Russians don't have that much stuff, but it just seems like they always have just enough. And the victory conditions are great in that the, uh, the Germans can lose with the CVP cap. And because of the amount of vehicles they have and oh, the, yeah. their need to use them, that becomes a real issue as the scenario goes on. One of my favorite scenarios, um, I played it, I want to say four times, which I think more than any other scenario. Um, and I think I've won every time I've played it, so that's probably why it's my favorite <laughs> as well. Um, you make a good point about it uh, also having to be a close game uh, and a fun opponent because there are games I'm you know, I'm sure I've played it where it's been close, and I thought, wow, this is really well balanced. And, mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. and then you play someone who's not as experienced, and right. it's it yeah. or things well balanced. go or things go different. Then you know, one side's really unlucky, and then it's the scenario's not as fun. Right. You know, it really requires to really a, a really good, you know, enjoyable game is when all those factors: fun opponent, you know, close game, uh, and you know, the, and I think the third factor is really the scenario itself. Yeah. The other two. Uh, Factors really play into it, right? And if it has fountains in it, I think that was really because <laughs> really you get to use the waiting rules, right? <laughs> Mighty big fountain. <laughs> oh, Jeff, I uh, didn't prepare a favorite, but I will talk about the one I played the other night, even though it was humiliating. But um, Shklovs <laughs> is this Shklovs? Labor's mm -hmm. lost. Yes, yeah. I say Shklovs. Shklovs. Shklov's Labor's Lost. Um, though I did have, even though I didn't do well, I did have fun with this This one. It's a pretty simple Germans against the Russians. And um, the Germans have uh, one of these great uh, no turret tanks. Uh, just a And that's scenario T4? Yeah, T4. And um, it was just, you know, I, I like scenarios that are just, uh, I think because Joe and I have been playing this. Uh, the Tarawa for so long, though we haven't played now in, in about two weeks. No, I think he's starting to play uh, Valor of the Guards now. He's so playing Valor of the Guards. Yeah. No, well, we'll get we'll get back to it. We're definitely still into it. We just haven't, you know, circumstances have come up. So. But it's fun to get away from that. And um, and by the way, I am going to publish those those pictures that we have. Oh yeah, yeah. Listener asked Tarawa. about that. Yeah, I will have those up shortly. Um, so it's fun to get back into a smaller scenario that you can play in a couple of hours and. I don't know. I was doing okay with it. I I, I moved all the Germans, uh, swept them up along the north edge of the board, and and started coming across and was doing okay. But I I did not utilize uh, smoke as I should have. And uh, so you crossed the street or from the vehicles to hit the enemy targets. Yeah. Yeah. So and so I I kind of got uh, and I I started off doing really well. Had some good good shots, uh, took over the buildings along the north side fairly quickly, but without using smoke that, so I could advance my troops across the, the street and get into the, the rest of the buildings. Um, I kind of got hung up and then took a couple of bad hits. Rolled, Then I rolled uh, uh, boxcars and broke my gun on one of the tanks and then rolled a six. And it's got and two tanks for the German attacker. Yep. And this one, I, this is a So T one of my tanks got recalled about halfway through the game, which kind of hurt. Yeah, and this is a T scenario from the original um, General Magazine, right, the General. Oh, is that where they ran a from? whole series of these called Tournament. And it is mm -hmm. nice. It's six turns. It's nice and tight. Yeah. Uh, it's under ten squads a side, so, yeah. you know, it's a good one to play in the yeah. evening. So. I've seen both sides win in that one. I don't know if that means anything, but. Yeah, I could see it would go. It could go either way. So whoever breaks the other guy's 10-3 first wins. Oh, is that? They both have a 10-9-3? <laughs> they have, they have a both 10-3. Well, I, I think smoking that end position with the Russians, the, do those tanks have a smoke capability? No, they have a yeah, bit smoke. Capability. And that's important. Um, bypassing, I learned that in that game. Someone, by, vehicle by, uh, bypass freeze, you know, froze the, a stack I had, I think. If I remember correctly, it was one of the first times I had, you know, realized that was a tactic. Mm -hmm. So. Well, Bob, we know you have to go. You not we have you have another uh, talk show to do. You you doing Letterman tonight or uh, Jay? No, no, not, neither. I'm doing um, Conan. Is Conan. Oh, Conan. Is Conan still oh, Conan Bryant. Yeah, yeah. Conan Bryant. Yeah, big is. squad leader guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob's got to go because he's got another engagement. But um, 
Well, that's all right. We don't feel bad about that. I've had a lot of fun here. I appreciate yeah. you having me on. And, oh, it's great having you. And uh, it's always good to see you guys. And I'm sure we'll uh, you know, we'll talk to you again on one of these podcasts, maybe. Maybe when we get um, more into our Bower of the Guards campaign. Yeah. It'd be great oh, to yeah, hear that would be great. From, from you or yeah. Joanette or both of them do a sure. four, four-man show sometime. Yeah, yeah that would be um, great. All right. Thanks for coming. Bye. Yeah, thanks thanks a lot, Bob. And I think that's going to wrap up our show for the evening. I think that's enough damage for one day. Um, what do we got planned for next show? Nothing. Nothing really. We're, we're, right. We just make this up we, as we go along. We folks. probably have to do some more um, tactical advice for players and a lot yes. of newbies asking for some newbie stuff. So we really yeah. owe it to you to get that done. Yeah. We should talk about uh, the counter storage issues. Come yes. up. A lot of people ask. We got some information on that yep. from experience. Yeah. Um, and uh, oh, there is an ASL open um, April 3rd, 4th, and 5th of 2009. 2009. So, so mark your calendars, friends. <laughs> it's never too early to start planning for that. <laughs> right. ASL open in Chicago, right? Um, That's right. April 3rd, 4th, and 5th, of yeah. 2009. Come into um, town and meet the, uh, the hosts of the two half squads. Boy, that'll make the whole trip worth I think we're going to try and get there. So, <clears throat> um, but and we will not have a guest next show, so we'll get caught up on a lot of this other stuff. We'll have guests probably in a couple of weeks, something like that. Or, sorry, a couple of shows from now. Mm-hmm. So, looking forward to it, Dave. Thanks, everybody, for All listening. Right. Thanks, everybody. Take care and um, roll low, and, and may, may the, the dice be with you, but not when you're playing us. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of the Two Half Squads and is copyrighted 2008, fully owned by its hosts. Listeners are free to use the show in a non-commercial endeavor as long as credit is given to the Two Half Squads. <laughs>